The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. We are we are back here for another episode of uh, Midwest Swing. I am Tom Schreier sitting in for Brandon Warren, who Brandon, I think, is on the road somewhere heading back to the uh, Twin Cities. He is covering this series against the Royals for us. Um, I'll be there Saturday. I think I'm doing seven out of the ten games. Mr. Warren, Mr. Warren's been he's been working. The trade deadline's taking some out of him. He's putting me to work, which I don't know if that's how it's supposed to work, but um, it'll be exciting. I have a uh, tiny Nick here who uh, Nick, you I know you through Cy Amundsen, local comedian. Uh, yep. wild man. Yeah. Um, absolutely big, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Obviously Justin <laughs> Bailey, the dirty Wisconsin man also in the room. Um, we went to that marathon, um, five hour game, sat in some pretty sweet seats. I, I can't complain with where the press box is. Uh, but I have, I've been in the press box quite a bit to see it from right field. I'll let you describe kind of where your seats are, but that's, it's a fun place to watch the game. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, over in section 102, like yep. right on the right field line where it starts to go up a little bit. Yeah. Close um, enough, close enough. And I, I know you won't say this. You and Aaron Judge, I don't know if you're best buds right now. We're pretty close. But you're homies. I mean, you're yelling <laughs> at Aaron Judge, our, our guy, Marwin Gonzalez, who I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. He ignores me the whole game. He does. I think he knows. I think if, <laughs> I, think if I walk in the locker room tomorrow and ask, mention Tiny Nick, he's like, nope, <laughs> he's like, I'm not interacting with him. 10 years too old to talk to you. But, <laughs> 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 but you've, uh, you've been, been a huge baseball fan. You've had those tickets for how long? Uh, since I was four years old. So yeah, like 21 years, 21 years. So, and, and that I assume is how you became a fan. It's hard watching on TV different when you're that close. Yeah, actually at the Metrodome, we were, uh, on the right field line where the wall kind of came up right on the, yeah. so we were front row and then also like on the field with the, like whatever the milk jug thing in right field. Yeah. Yeah. So I came up, uh, like (laughs) sitting right next to the milk jug, catching balls from Jock Jones. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so big time twins fan, also someone we've, we've texted back and forth, a rational thinker. You, for example, (laughs) Sam Dyson, Sam Dyson, who Fangraph said was the best player that was traded, best reliever traded at the deadline, uh, had been really good for, for a giants team that, kind of in that weird baseball purgatory of they probably think they can get a wild card. This is maybe it for Bochy and Bumgarner. They want to do one for the fans. They also probably want to hedge for the future a little bit. Um, Twins with Luan Diaz and some of the prospects they gave up, good players, but I thought it was a pretty fair trade. Uh, You know, you weren't one of those guys on Twitter going nuts. I can't even imagine. (laughs) Bailey sometimes goes through Reddit and Twitter and it's like, oh my God. But uh, I mean, what was your level of freak out when when Dyson goes in there? Well, I I think I texted you and uh, I said I actually, I get pretty annoyed at the the Fairweather Twins fans talking like they didn't do enough because... I didn't want to get rid of Royce Lewis or you no, know, like Kirloff. Uh, uh, yeah, or any of the the top prospects for that regard. Like, you know, and then get bumped this year and feel like an idiot moving forward. But at the same time, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, throwing Dyson into the fire. Uh, yeah, his I mean, first close yesterday. I would have just liked to see Taylor Rogers finish the game or even Romo. Yeah, I, I think um, Sergio Romo. By the way, not a not an easy task to be a Miami Marlin. 
they flew him in. It was weird. He took like a six o'clock flight to Chicago to kind of meet everybody and then flew back to Miami. Yeah. But there, there's some talk that he had like put the brim of his hat a little lower because he didn't want his teammates to see him <laughs> yeah, pitching yeah, against him. Yeah. Uh, so he, he was, was like, pretty fired up walking off the mound. Though. Yeah, yeah. Sitting there slapping his chest. I think he's really, <laughs> have you seen the Zelda shirt he has? Yeah, like he's it's, seen, pretty, it's pretty hilarious. He, and he, he talks a lot about how, uh, you know, like the guys in Miami let him be who he wants to be. Yeah. And, you know. And Rocco probably, so he knows Rocco. Um, we should say he has a San Francisco connection. He had won three World Series with them and I think was the closer in 14, uh, setup guy otherwise. But he knows Rocco from Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. He he did win one one of the World Series as the closer. Yeah. I think Brian Wilson was there for the other two, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think he was setting up Brian Wilson. I uh, Kind of a reliable, uh, little soft-hosting guy at age 36, but yeah. but it has stuff. I mean, it, it no, showed I, that. I like Romo. Hopefully he doesn't have that, you know, that terrible, like, get shelled, like, or relief appearance. I know. Where everyone says he's over the hump and all that type of stuff, kind of the way Blake Parker just got shelled yeah. in Minnesota. but. At the same time, Romo looks a little more confident than Blake Parker ever looked in a Minnesota Twins game. Well, and in that Yankee game, we saw kind of the last of, of Blake Parker. Yeah. But we, you could see it kind of bursting at the seams where he was he was getting guys on base. He was running into a little trouble, and he could get yeah. himself out. I don't know if that's sustainable. Romo's probably a better pitcher, certainly qualified, certainly is going to freak out in a postseason. A little more locked in in a, you know, like a big moment too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I like the addition also for the clubhouse, knowing that a lot of these Twins players either have played in that weird one, one game series yeah, or whatever yeah. against the, the Yankees or don't have much postseason experience. With Dyson, I think they get a legit – I mean, he's 31, a little bit older, had some injury trouble. Yeah, 31's older, but like – it's not that old. No, I mean, he know, should like, be prime-ish, right? Yeah, exactly. You should, he should have like two, three years left if he's a good pitcher. And that's, uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the time clock's speeding up a lot right now in baseball. Um, do you, are you happy with what they did at the deadline? I mean, I, we talked about this. I thought they needed to get two relievers. Three would have been nice. You get a starter at the right price. I mean, what, how do you feel about how the deadline went? Uh, I mean, with all the reports about Stroman um, and what they gave up, you know, I would have rather made a bigger run at Stroman. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I'm, I don't think we were going to go get Syndergaard or anything like that without giving up the whole farm or even more than that. I was not going to trade uh, Buxton for... No, I mean, literally only Justin Bailey would do that. Only, only a Brewers fan who's somehow <laughs> on a Twins podcast. But uh, yeah, I'm a huge Buxton fan. I, I hope uh, the concussions don't catch up to him or anything crazy like that. And this take looks dumb in three years. But I think no. Buxton's the future of the Twins. It, they're so different. I mean, you watch them every day. Yeah, you can tell the difference even as a fan, right? Of, yeah, of absolutely. Buxton or no Buxton. Um, I yeah, I with well, that game we were at alone was the Aaron Hicks highlight game. That was I know revenge Buxton game. Buxton plays in that game. The Twins win, in my opinion. So. I, I agree. I mean, he's starting to hit. We're starting to see kind of the the offense they talked about with him. Yep. He also, you had mentioned this. I, you got to be a fan. You're actually wearing the Super Rosario shirt, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is one of the best, I think, uh, that they offer. But, um, but you know, Rosario is a star. Kepler's a star. But it they should be corner outfielders in my Absolutely. mind. Absolutely. Um, you know, in Buxton, you said kind of shrinks the outfield. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kepler's arm is exploited every time he plays center field. Yeah. When he plays yeah. right field, you, you just don't think about it as often and yeah it's it's like it, it gets by yeah in center field you know Buxton gives you a chance to get that guy out at the plate or third base and Kepler's throw one hops in there you know a second after the guy slides in so what is the coolest uh Buxton catch you've seen live hmm the coolest Buxton catch yeah, I mean, have you been at any of the games? Like, I mean, I it was definitely uh, one of his early home run robs. I can't remember yeah. who it was against, but I, he had one that it was like he went 
not only did he rob a home run, but he went back pretty quick, like yeah, pretty yeah. much full speed into the wall. Yeah. But I think he's a lot fearless. of his coolest ones have been on the road, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's probably true. I mean, there's probably a couple at center field he's robbed. Yeah. Um, certainly, I'm always worried the bullpen. I feel like they need to change the material there. It shouldn't, if yeah. it's wire or whatever it is. Yeah, I think we were talking about that at the game. It yeah. doesn't look like the safest thing to jump into it at uh, Target Field for sure. No. So Safer than Wrigley, but. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> although I probably any building is safer than Wrigley Field. Uh, yeah, I so... I, you know, I think we we've seen we kind of know this team now. This there is no waiver deadline oh, trade. Um, I, I think uh, to touch on two things with Stroman and Grinky. Grinky had a no trade deal that was done at the eleventh. Yeah, the Grinky the Granky thing doesn't bother me at all. He didn't want to come to Minnesota. We would have had to give up a ton for him. And yeah. honestly, um, the Astros getting him it, it makes them a lot better. But with my Miley already being there, yeah. I don't understand uh, why they went out of their way so much to get him. I think they, so my thought with the Astros, because if you look at it, the the Twins right now, according to Baseball Reference, 10% chance to win the World Series. Yankees 11, and we saw how close those two teams were. The Astros are up about 17%, mm-hmm. and I think they just wanted to establish themselves as the front runner. Yeah. The cost of doing that is that because they're late in the competitive window, they may, if they have to go through a rebuild, they're going to have less to well, work th- with. I mean, I think of the Astros, you know, being, uh, you know, it's actually my 25th birthday today but yeah. being younger I, I think of the Astros as being a dumpster fire right. organization for much of my childhood so yeah and, and I think that was a more structured rebuild I think the twins were forced to rebuild they certainly wouldn't have done that with Maurer under contract yeah. new stadium a- at one point uh, were you a big Joe Nathan guy he is going to the Hall of Fame I think the I twins mean, Hall yeah, of Fame I, I, Joe, Joe Nathan was a converted shortstop wasn't yeah. he yeah but Joe, I, I love Joe Nathan yeah him and uh, Eddie Gordado were my childhood so yeah yeah and so it, it's really fun to see him on honored as part of kind of those, the Nathan Kadire, you know, that, that crowd, uh, Justin Morneau, who all ended up leaving, uh, the, the Astros seemed more intentional. I think they revamped their front office with all these kind of Falvey Levine types, right? The analytics based. uh, You don't want to say like the millennial type. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're a little more like modern. Yeah. I, having said that, as again, you've watched. So we we've seen the Twins and the Astros play seven games this year. The seven games they will play. Yeah, Twins have won four four of the seven. However, yeah. those three games that they lost were blowouts, including back to back blowouts, which I think is the only other time this yeah. year that that's happened. How do you think they'd match up to the Astros, even with the Granky deal? Um, I'm probably in the minority here, but I'd rather face off with the Astros than the Yankees. Come playoff time. Okay. I think, by the way, I think, I don't know if we have Chris from Cleveland or who, who's calling in, but someone's calling in to our show. Caller? Oh, hey, who's this? This is uh, Tom Schreier. I'm, I've taken over for Brandon Warren on Midwest Swing. Oh, interesting. Well, I found this number on a bathroom here in uh, downtown Minneapolis and thought I'd give it a call. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? Doing well. So this is Brandon Warren, our normal host. He is. Uh, you're on your way to Target Field, right? Yeah, so apparently if you take a nap in the afternoon and don't set an alarm, sometimes <laughs> you can oversleep and forget you have a podcast. Tiny Nick. And it happens. Wow. The, the Tiny Nick is irate. This is his birthday, 25, <laughs> yep. in his prime, and Brandon Warren disrespects him by sleeping through this podcast. He's going to go Aaron Hicks on us. <laughs> yeah, no. I won't go Aaron Hicks on us, I promise. Um, how Good. much of the conversation have you caught here? I'm sorry? How much? How much uh, have you caught here? I'm trying to think of when you uh, you joined us on the line. Oh, uh, I I heard you guys talking about the Astros and the trade deadline and Zach Greinke and probably the last four or five minutes or so. What do you got for Tiny Nick? He's uh he's he's an expert. He's out there in right field. He watches every game. Diehard fan. 
Well, it sounds like he wasn't as upset about the trade deadline as a lot of fans were, so I'm pleased to hear that. But <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of defending you on Twitter, actually. Well, it's, it was hard to find because my, my Twitter <laughs> was like a... It was like a waterfall when I had it on TweetDeck. So. No, no, I actually, I, mean, uh, I took offense to Sai's tweet, actually, about... Uh, I take offense to everything Sai said about yeah, the Twins. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a few tweets that just, like, people expecting to... If, if we were going to go out and do a lot of those moves, we had to do them before the season started. That's the thing. Yeah, and I think this offseason, too, they'll reiterate or recalibrate where they're at and decide if they want to... They'll probably have to, if they're ever going to go big on a player... You know, this will be the offseason to do it. Last offseason made sense because some of the prices were lower, but it wasn't necessarily that one talent to do it. And instead, they got Nelson Cruz, Scope, and Crone, and all those guys, so they spread it out a little bit. But yeah, I when I look at the Astros, and we guys, I heard you guys talking about them, to me, they're building a sustainable bunch, and they're doing some off-the-wall moves, too. But don't forget that Garrett Cole's a free agent at the end of the year. They've pretty much got now... Verlander and Greinke locked in, and then the, the next three spots will be kind of wide open with Lance McCullers coming back eventually and whoever else they have in that mix. So they don't have a lot of guarantees after this year, and, and so they're not going to be insurmountable over the next few years. But they made a move that not only locked in the rest of this year, but what should help them in the next few years, though they're putting a lot of money into pitchers who are 35 and older. So I think as much as the Astros went for it, and the Twins couldn't have known that was happening. That's the other thing, people. Why didn't the Twins respond when the Astros did it? The Astros did it at the 11th hour, you know? And you can't just respond to what other teams do. But the fact that the Astros are putting a lot of stock into older guys, to me, means that the Twins don't need to worry about if they can beat them this year or even next year. It's You get to October, and then whatever happens, happens. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. But what did you think? Yeah. Um, they got Aaron Sanchez, too, right? Yeah, and that's going to be their their pet project to see what they can do with him. They're kind of the pitching gurus, kind of like before the Twins, who can turn see, guys who maybe have struggled a bit into really great great starters. As a as a Twins fan, I would say the Presley the Presley trade last year bothers me. Um, it bothered me at the time. It bothers me now just because I understand selling, but selling did not get anything makes no sense to me and it, it felt like at that at, at that the time of that trade it was kind of a robbery and uh looking back at it now we could probably use a guy like that yeah and i mean if they, if they thought they were going to be even close to this good they don't make that trade and this has been just an incredible pop-up year and it won't be a pop-up year because they'll be sustaining behind it but yeah i agree i mean and then you look at the two prospects they got and i think it's um alcala and celestino and Yep. They're both having pretty ordinary years in the minors, too. So that's certainly frustrating. And yeah, they're Presley pretty signed average. A, Presley signed a reasonable extension with the Astros. I mean, it's obviously home for him in Texas. But, yeah, there's a lot of layers there that certainly don't sit well. And Presley would look good in the Twins uniform right now. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brandon, yeah. I, wanna, I want you to go into Sam Dyson here because I was a little surprised to see Fangraph say he was the best reliever traded at the deadline. Um, I also know he has a track record of success and somehow when everyone else is looking for relievers, the giants are able to deal one of theirs. But, uh, what is it about him that would give you confidence that, you know, what happened in Miami was an anomaly for the, for the long haul, he's done some things that are pretty stable in terms of inducing grounders, keeping the ball in the ballpark, even though everybody's hitting home runs this year, not a, not a ton of strikeouts, but like, 
Tyler Duffy level strikeouts before Duffy went off the rails as far as he's been striking everybody out this year and no walks. So if you took Tyler Duffy and then added grounders and keeping the ball in the ballpark, you'd have a pretty darn good reliever. And that's the one thing that's keeping Duffy from being elite this year. So the ball on the ground, you know, is not going to be a double very often. It's not going to get out of the park at all. And that's why I think people should be enthused about this guy. He's not a, an old pitcher who's just on smoke and fumes. It's mid nineties, really good cutter. And he's got a lot of movement and he's pitched some pretty big innings for some pretty good teams here the last few years. Do you, what do you think of Nick, uh, Tyler Duffy? He's <laughs> Brandon's written about his tunneling. Yeah. He's been, it feels like he's been part of the twins organization since you've had season tickets and, yeah, uh, definitely since target field, at least it yeah. feels like he's been around and, and yet he seems to try to reinvent himself every year or something. Yeah. Do you like the current Duffy? What do you think of him? I think he's the best Duffy that we've had. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, for the last five years, I've, I've been pretty upset every time Duffy's checked into the game. I would say this year he's definitely reinvented himself in the best way possible. But like Brandon was saying, I think the the biggest concern I had with uh, Dyson compared to Duffy is I think uh, when I looked up Dyson, he had like a 6.9K uh, per nine innings or something like that, which I, I the, Taylor Rogers yesterday kind of showed it. But I'd like to have someone that we can rely on to get one guy out with a strikeout when we get into a real jam. And I don't trust uh, Tyler Duffy to be that guy at all, so... Yeah, there's no question that I think <clears throat> that they really only have one guy like that. Uh, it depends on what they get from Sean Pop and Lewis Thorpe or other those guys as they make their way back into roles in the bullpen as the season wears on. But yeah, it's it's certainly not perfect. Sergio Romo can get some strikeouts, but he's not a huge strikeout guy either. And so Yeah, we just yeah, don't have that I, like Joe Nathan type guy that, you know, can really get out of like a first and third no odds jam. Yeah, and, and those guys really didn't get traded this year. And if they were going to, you know, Will Smith or something like that, all the rumors were that it was going to cost one of the big guys in the, the farm or the, one of the top five prospects. So as much as, you know, twins fans would have wanted a Ken Giles, a healthy Ken Giles, which even Blue Jays fans want right now, to me, uh, still paying that price makes no sense. And I think Dyson having a tough first outing, as much as people don't think it proves my point, it kind of does is if you go get a reliever, there's no guarantee, no matter if they're good, bad, or in the middle. And hopefully, you know, his next 10 outings are really good because his last handful in San Francisco were really good with the exceptional one. And it's just kind of how relief well, his, pitching works. His last have, eight years have been pretty good with the exception of uh, one season. Right. Yeah. With the, the last year where Texas had to eventually let him go. And then he made his way to San Fran. And in fact, I remember, the twins had some interest then. So who yeah. knows? Maybe that could have been a thing too. And they didn't give up any prospects that I'm really concerned about losing. So yeah. I really have no problem with the trade at all. Yeah. Well, that leads me to one of the main questions I wanted to ask you is uh, with Gratterall and the minors, are we, are we afraid to bring him up to, to stunt his development or is it like a, he might not be as good as some of these back end relievers we already have in the, in the big leagues right now? I think it's more about the shoulder that he's been battling all year. And if, if it's not, fully stable or it's not, you know, he missed two months and the shoulders are really tricky because they can make or break careers. Absolutely. And so Especially I don't know how much they want to put him in for high leverage pitching. If his shoulder is not perfect. He he did just make a, uh, an appearance, I think with the Gulf coast league twins. And it looks like he was back at a hundred. Yeah. That's pitch, yeah. It's, kind of, it's good. And it's bad. Yeah. Do we it, want him throwing a hundred miles per hour in his first, like his first <laughs> stint back in the minors. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. Gratterall, he kind of I think uh Duran's the other guy who really throws hard. You you wonder if those guys might get a chance. Who of the players you've seen 
unfortunately Poppin goes out there one good inning. Yikes. It went from a low leverage to high leverage situation <laughs> when he gives up a, a grand slam. Uh, what What do you guys uh, starting with Nick and then Brandon? What do you think of what you know what we've seen from Thorpe Poppin? Cole Stewart, kind of the triple-A crowd that's getting a chance. Stashek. Well, the uh, the series uh, we went to together, yeah. Tom, um, I would say those guys were the only guys that were able to get anybody out. Yeah. But I would say Thorpe is the only guy I have any confidence in right now at all um, in a middle middle relief type of role. Yeah. Popping that Marlins. Uh, it was bad. It was really bad. That yeah. that uh, ninth inning was like one of the worst pitched innings I've ever seen in my life. And it, I don't mean that in like a way of like walking people and stuff, but it was just predictable. Like I just had a feeling he was about to get shelled. Yeah, and, and it forced Rogers out there again in a in a series. You think he could get some rest? Yeah. Um, what is it about Thorpe? And and I mean, he could potentially be a starter down the road. But what yeah. is it about Thorpe that gives you the confidence that he could you know pitch in this situation where they need wins? Um. To give you more of like a casual fan outlook, I would yeah. say uh, just knowing his name throughout the last like few years and, yeah, and I think following him a little bit more than the other guys and knowing that he has a little bit higher of an upside. Um, Brandon, what do you what do you think about Thorpe? I mean, do you agree? Could you see him in a middle relief role? Yeah, I think the pedigree is there. And, you know, much as I thought it might have made sense for Romero this year, the same can apply to Thorpe where if you need that guy next year in your rotation because they got three guys who are going to be free agents – it makes sense to ease a guy in as a reliever so you get, you know, 30, 40 big league innings rather than a whole bunch of AAA innings and no MLB innings because the rotation's so full this season. And so, yeah, I think you bring up Thorpe and see what he can do. And, and granted, they were kind of forced to put him into situations that were a little deeper yeah. and maybe a little heavier than he was ready for. But he responded. And I think that even Stashak and Poppin at times responded well, too, in the Yankees series especially. And you never want to have to force these guys into that, but sometimes the situation mandates it. See, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Perez move to the bullpen uh, sooner rather than later just to kind of get an, an idea if he can you know, gas it up to 96, 97 from the pen for an inning or two uh, rather than just throwing him out there and expecting him to change his whole routine come playoff time. Um, that's that, I'd, I'd like to see him in September come out of the pen. I don't hate that idea. I just don't know who would start. Maybe Thorpe would start in that case. But, yeah, I think that – Perez could be a real sneaky weapon in the bullpen, kind of like Kenta Maeda for the Dodgers the last two years. And, and well, they, the they could that, go like a three-man rotation or four-man rotation in the playoffs and have him do that. But the the issue with that is he's he hasn't you know been a relief pitcher in a while. He doesn't have a routine or anything. Right. And that's where I kind of right. kind of scares me just bringing him in in the sixth or seventh in a high leverage situation. Yeah, and the only problem the only problem is though if every game gets matter on the stretch, I don't know how much you can mess around about thinking about playoffs if you gotta get there first. So it's Ex- exactly with a three game lead now, it's pretty scary. Yeah, for sure. Are you both out on Cole Stewart? Uh, I haven't ever been in on Cole Stewart. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he had the one game we were at the yeah. the Yankees game. He gave up an extra run that that ended up mattering. Uh, Brandon, I mean, do you see do you see a bullpen role for him? Or there have been little kind of blips of brilliance, but nothing, nothing sustained for a while. At this point, I think that's the pretty much the only outcome that'll make sense. I just don't see him sticking as a starter short of yeah. him going to the bullpen for a few years, like Carlos Carrasco did and then turning it all the way around. But at this point, it just seems so good. Nick, are there any prospects and we probably won't see him this year, but anyone in the system who you're particularly excited to see Royce Lewis would be the obvious answer, but 
Uh, I mean, because he's hitting like 301 now, Nick Gordon maybe. Yeah, like Nick Gordon's an interesting one. I mean, since I was like 16 or 17, or like, I was young when I started hearing Nick Gordon's name. And uh, I would like Brother to in the him. league, dad had played. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got, you're excited because of D Gordon and all that. But I think, he, I think he's starting to slash a line that's playable at second base, especially compared to the guys that we have up in the majors playing second base right now. He, he might be a guy to see in September. Brandon, what would he, what would his role be, or what, what do you make of Nick Gordon, especially with the rise coming up? Obviously, Polanco and um, kind of their their infield rounding out here. Yeah, for me, it's hard to see anything greater than a utility role in the short to midterm. I mean, maybe in the long term we can regain some of that luster, but for now, it just kind of looks to me like they're going to need him to play a little bit all over and come off the bench. And I don't know if that'll be this year with a rise and scope and. Marlon Gonzalez in the in the mix, and even Williams Acevedo if he gets healthy. But in in the medium term, maybe starting next year sometime, you know, if they need some depth behind Gonzalez and behind a rise, they certainly could look that way. I just I'm not convinced I see him as a big league starter, but as a number five overall pick, you got to give him every chance to do that. Do you think uh, Nick Gordon could be used as a pinch runner? Uh, being that we don't really have like a race and all these guys coming off the bench aren't really like burners on the base paths. Yeah. And it'll be up to Rocco to kind of carefully balance all that because, you know, if you take the guy out in a close game and it goes to extras, then you've got them hitting instead of the guy they came out for. And a lot of the big slow guys for the twins are guys like, you know, Nelson Cruz and guys who don't necessarily want to take out of the game unless you really have to. I mean, people got upset about that the last game in Miami and, the only reason they couldn't pinch run from was because they really only had the catcher, Mitch Garver, and then Marlon Gonzalez, who got double switched in the game later. You know, the, if you're playing on NL Park in the World Series, all those rules get magnified. But in the playoffs, too, you know, your bench could be a little bit longer if you've got a shorter pitching staff. So that's where they can get a little more creative. And, and maybe in September, too, you know, Gordon can help them as a runner, especially because, you know, they're probably going to have to hold off Cleveland well into September if they do it all. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you guys, uh, start with you, Brandon, with your analysis of the, the Indians trade. I, first of all, before we get into it, Nick, is there anything funnier than a pitcher <laughs> instead of handing the ball to his manager, taking it, chucking it, it into center field? Did you see the interaction he had with Francona afterwards? Yeah, no, it was one of the funniest <laughs> things of all time, especially with uh, just knowing how funny of a player Trevor Bauer is from the, the Max Kepler situation. Right, yeah, right. He, he's a funny guy. Yeah, so so this happens, and there's all these rumors <laughs> that the you know the Indians are kind of like quasi rebuilding while they're trying to compete for the Central or whatever they're trying to do. But it, he ends up shipped out in a trade. One of the guys he was traded for was I think throwing a punch at a Pittsburgh Pirate while he was being yes, traded. Do you, Brandon, take us through this situation. Your thoughts on the trade and uh, just the uh, ongoing baseball fight between the Pirates and the Reds. Oh man, it sounds like. The Pirates have been just kind of throwing at the Reds for a long time, and it kind of came to a head with Amir Garrett just getting ticked off and fighting all the Pirates at once. And so, yeah, as the trade is being reported that Yaziel Puig is headed to Cleveland, he's in the middle of a fight for his life against the Pittsburgh Pirates who are racking up suspensions like credit card bills. And so, yeah, uh, for Cleveland, it was just kind of reallocating their assets. And you look at the Twins and the balance they have, it's not like they have a ton of superstars. They just have a ton of really solid players. Whereas Cleveland kind of thought, all right, well, they can move from their rotation a little bit and see what they can get to beef up their offense, which is, has really struggled this year. And they got a couple really good power hitting outfielders. Their outfield has obviously been weak for pretty much the entire season. 
So they get Yaziel Puig, they get Franmil Reyes, who both are big power guys who have low on-base percentages, kind of the Eddie Rosario special. And then they get Logan Allen, who's kind of a back-end starting pitching prospect, you know, somewhere in the 90s to 100 prospect range. And then a couple of wildcard prospects that will be in the low minors too. And so it wasn't the prototypical trade you expect to see when a team trades one of its best starting pitchers because, you know, a lot of times, like we said with Justin, you know, CC Sabathia brings back a bunch of prospects. Cliff Lee brings back a bunch of prospects, all that. This was two regular MLB guys, one a rental, one a guy with like five years of control, and then a pitching prospect who actually is MLB ready. So he's basically an MLB starter right now. But that's, to me, Cleveland putting a lot of faith in Corey Kluber and or Carrasco coming back. We saw Danny Salazar throw 87 miles per hour. Yeah, not good. So I don't know. I'm not as in on this trade as everybody else seems to be. I think Cleveland made a move they felt they had to, but I'm not sure it was a move that moved them as forward as they thought they did. What did you think, Nick? I mean, are, are you worried, more worried about I Cleveland they, after? I think they went backwards, personally. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'd rather not see Trevor Bauer. So. <laughs> I, was, I was happy with the trade, honestly. I thought they were, uh, I thought they were kind of starting to sell. Um, I know that they kind of like healed the wounds with the corner outfield trades, but neither of those guys, in my opinion, are better than any of the outfielders we have on the Twins. So, right, it didn't, it didn't change anything really for me. And much like Brandon said, I, I think it was just kind of like a stalemate of a trade in a way. If anything, a, a little bit of a regression for Cleveland. Did you see the fight, the the Pirates Reds yeah, fight? Absolutely. It was Bailey, I need to ask Bailey about this because Bailey, Bailey, I know loves baseball fights. Justin Bailey, I want your analysis of this fight. I am a big fan of baseball <laughs> fights. Uh, it was probably one of like the cool, not maybe coolest is the wrong <laughs> word, but like out there, uh, whoever the pitcher was, I don't know his name. It's just it, standing, Amir Garrett, I think. Yeah, yeah, just standing on the mound, listening to the Pirates dugout, just chirp at him, just going after him. <laughs> and he finally just said, screw it. I'm I'm handling this right the, now. The pitching just, coach's reaction yeah. was the funniest thing. <laughs> just <laughs> throws his glove down and just bulldozes that guy. It was There was a fight. There was a fight between the Brewers and the Pirates probably five or six years ago now. Was this um, Nigel Morgan? Was he in that fight? No, this is the one where Martin... Martin Maldonado punched uh, I think it was Garrett Cole some a start a pitcher just ran over and decked him uh, and and Carlos Gomez was involved it was it was a huge it was incredible this fight was uh, I think I saw it come across my Twitter feed and uh, it was like all hell breaks loose in uh, Cincinnati or whatever wherever they were yeah uh, See, I, I, and it was like Yasiel who had already been traded like that was like the storyline like this guy's not even on the team anymore and he's out there throwing like this is this is the greatest teammate you could ever want like this guy does not care yeah i think the best part about the the whole fight was probably the fact that as he was running out there to punch people in the face he was like pointing at the guy he was yep. going for telling yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. else to get out of the yep. way kind of like yeah i'm i'm honestly surprised they like i don't know if you can just not finish a game like the score was like 11 to 3 so yeah but the likelihood like of yeah i don't know if you could just, just like but, the malice and the palace yeah. finish yeah. yeah. game's so over right there it yeah. took so long for the umps to get everyone separated and they seemed to like every time they got it under control like then the two sides started to go back <laughs> together again like just call this like it was the like game's a wwe over. fight it was yeah. weird it was a lot of like 
you know, just clubhouses talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I, th- I think there was. I there was a list of the suspensions. I think the most was like an eight game. I'm honestly surprised. Like the pitcher who just ran over a technical guy. <laughs> I thought maybe you get a little bit more, but eight games for a pitcher. He misses two games. Brandon, do you know offhand what the the suspensions were? Keone Keela got ten games for throwing at someone's head. I know that, but the rest of them were eight and last again. It was. It, it was a multitude of suspensions. I don't know them specifically, but I know Keone Keela, the Pirates pitcher, got ten games. Uh, Nick, you're you're you could jump over the boards. It could be like a hockey fight. You know, yeah. you're close enough. You could you could get into the fray. Absolutely. Uh, under what condition? And we don't want to see the twins fighting because that's actually a terrible thing to do in this race. Yeah, yeah. But if you do, you have a boy. You're like, I, I'm going to go protect that guy. I'm going to get in it because you don't want to fight Nick. I'll tell you, you don't want to fight Nick. Uh, so no, for sure. So no, yeah, Sano is your I boy. Fight fans like. Every game I go to, people are, I'll wear a snow jersey and people will chirp me. And I mean, I, I, it makes me want to fight them right on the spot. So I would say Sano, not that he needs help because he's four times my size. But You could get on his back, though, and kind of yeah, get, exactly. get a little leverage. Like I could distract people or something, like kick him in the back of the leg while he's you know, got him squared up. Uh, wait, so you are, you're, you're a big Sano guy. Yeah. Um, Brandon, do you want to break this down real quick? Because we, we've talked about Sano a little bit on the show. He has shown improvement. Um, do you want to get into the specifics a little bit? Well, it looks like they just kind of reworked his his path and swing path and program at the plate. Whatever it is, it's allowing him to lay off the, the pitches on the outside, the breaking balls and all that. And for whatever reason, too, it's given him more time, I think, to wait on change-ups because he's driven some really good off-speed pitches out of the ballpark or into the gaps for, for extra bases. So um, I don't know what exactly they've tweaked, if they've opened up his stance a little bit or something. Uh, the, the actual tweaks um, would probably be best asked of Parker Hageman of Twins Daily. But whatever it is, it's allowed him to stay on pitches longer because, again, those sliders outside are kind of the kryptonite for a lot of hitters. Byron Buxton for the longest time. And like I say all the time, Tory Hunter, Michael Kadire made careers out of not being able to touch that outside slider. But Whatever it was, it, it means when these guys go down 0-2, they're not immediately buried, which I think a month ago for Sano and maybe a little bit longer than that ago for Buxton, you knew that if those guys were 0-2, there was about an 80% chance they were striking out and a very, very small chance at all they were going to make contact. It's It's been incredible for Sano because everybody wanted him basically shipped out a month ago before the uh, the trolley ride, which we tweet about. So what, it's, what, uh, what, yeah. Nick, what is it about Snow for you that you've kind of stuck with him? Well, I mean, outside of the Netflix special. Um, <laughs> yeah, which everyone I, should watch. I met, I met him when he first got signed. He was super nice. Um, you know, he actually follows me on Twitter. He's a he's a yeah. cool dude. I just liked him personally um, from when we were – he's like the same age as me. But on the baseball field, uh, he hasn't had a spring training in how long. Right, um, right. Everyone's getting on him for, like, his hitting. And he's always been this giant power hitter that he hasn't had his timing for a couple years. I think uh, – What's happening right now, and, and, and I hope I'm right, is is him finally just getting into the groove of things and coming out of next year. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't you know tear the whole back of his leg again. So yeah, he misses spring training. But you know, with that two months of extra practice, I think Miguel is going to have a great time if his timing's right. I think the Josh Hader at bat he had earlier this year, where he just got absolutely destroyed. Um, was was probably the the saddest moment in my Miguel Sano. Yeah, what the hell, Justin? <laughs> Tell Hater leave off Sano, lay off Sano. Everyone, everyone knew he was coming at him with a 97, 98 yeah. mile per hour fastball, and he wasn't even close to them. It was pretty sad. But besides that, he's really caught his timing back. 
Hater has the tendency to do that to people. Yeah, you except last night when he lost the game. <laughs> and like two nights ago, yeah, I, they pitched him. Yeah, so the Brewers pitched him three days in a row for the first time in his career. Yeah, and he yeah lost last night. So he let up a home run a couple nights ago to Not, Matt Olson too. Yeah, right? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um. But in, in your mind, has lived up to the hype, given his age, given a- all that Absolutely stuff? has not lived up to the hype, no. Um, his his all-star campaign and everything that he went through a, a couple years ago was a lot of fun, but the second half of that season was weird. Um, yeah. He got he kind of had, like, that weird, like, injury-type thing that happened, and he never, never bounced back. Since then, up until about two weeks ago, he hasn't been the Miguel Sano to me. Um, what he's been doing maybe this last month has been – normal players don't just go on tears like that. Right, right. And Brandon, what's your level of faith kind of in Snow that he can maintain this? Uh, the fact that I had to battle a lot of people about trading him and putting a rise in at third base. <laughs> yeah, no. It's kind of indicative for me that, yeah, people don't really realize, first of all, how good Snow could be. Second of all, how much a rise is playing over his head like Danny Santana five years ago or Danny Santana this year. Yeah. And defensively, they're about equals, believe it or not. Snow's a pretty ordinary average defender, um, makes a lot of the routine plays that people don't really think about maybe some of the tougher ones he doesn't make but I think he's getting better over there every day and to think that a rise should be anything other than an opening day second baseman next year to me is kind of preposterous yeah, are you, are you I, an Arise I, fan? I don't even know if uh, you really think if he gets 550 at bats that he can be an everyday second baseman yeah I mean the, the bar to clear is not insanely high at second base I mean He's not going to hit for power, but I think he could be like Luis Castillo, who played for the Twins like 10 years ago. Um, oh, yeah, I loved Luis I mean, Castillo. He, just, he <laughs> would just slap it off the plate and get a hit out of it every time. Yeah, maybe 12 or 15 years ago, closer to. But, uh, yeah, I think he can be a productive second baseman. And he may have to be the Marlon Gonzalez move all over the plays type because you're going to have Polanco and Lewis up the middle and hopefully still Sano at third. And yeah, how far are we base. away from, uh, you know, Lewis and Curly off? Probably in the next year, I would say. Yeah, they're both at double A. Yeah, Kirill, and, and, and yeah. Kirilov had five RBI yesterday. If we could have traded any of our prospects for the record, um, I would have liked to get rid of Nick Gordon over all of these other guys. But that being said, now that we have him, I, I do want to see. Like I said earlier, I want to see what he can do. Do you think he has any chance of uh, beating these other guys uh, to the majors and maybe holding down a spot? Yeah, he should get there first. It's just a matter of, you know, he he might have to have a Luis arise type of impact right away to hold guys off because of how much his prospect status is dimmed. I mean, they're not going to give him it. He's going to have to earn everything, which is never a bad thing. Anytime a guy earns a spot, it makes him more appreciative, I think, of, of having earned it. But, yeah, it's it's an uphill battle. I'm not sure that it's going to be easy no matter where he does it at because it's not like a team that trades for him is going to want to promise him anything either. Yeah, so, yeah. and then He's got an uphill battle. I, I also wanted to ask you, uh, Adrian's slash line since June has to be, like, it has to be way above league average. I don't think uh, he gets enough credit for what he's done with how bad the beginning of the season was for him. Well, in the, ba- the beginning of his career, I mean, he's turned into a nice hitter in his, his you know, late 20s. Nobody really expects that. So a lot of credit goes to him, and I don't know if James Rousen has helped him unlock something, but. This is a guy who was claimed from San Francisco by Mike Milwaukee, and then a couple of days later the Twins claimed him from Milwaukee. He was an, a defensive first shortstop, a Pedro Floramon type, and mm-hmm. he's turned himself into a respectable offensive player who can help you from both sides of the plate. And 
you know, he especially could hit lefties fairly well early in his career. I know he hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw when he was a giant, but he's turned into the kind of guy where you don't feel like if you put him out there, you're facing a ton of drop off, whether it's up the middle or even at first base, which to me is a little surprising to see him play. Yeah, but no, he, he feels like really the perfect, nice. like he feels like a guy that like is cool with the role of being a utility player too. And yeah, uh, yeah. he's really good at it. Uh, that's, that's, that's where I kind of question Arreyes' role moving forward with, uh, with the other guys that we have in the minors. And I, I'm with you on reading all the Twitter replies about Arreyes, but let's see if, you know, if Arreyes' average drops a little bit and he's the only guy that can't hit a home run on the Twins. I don't know how quick the, the fans are going to turn on him. Oh, it probably won't be pretty because this is a very fickle fan base at times. So, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from there. Yeah, he's hitting 370 right now, so it's easy not to hate him. Right. Yeah, right, right. Um, before I, I want to kind of preview this homestand, but before I get into that, Nick, we mentioned your seats and you would be effective if they, if the twins went foul pole to foul pole with netting. Yeah. There's been this effort because of so many people getting hurt. And obviously the twins as it stands right now have more netting than most of the teams, I think in major league baseball, first of all, where do you stand on that? And kind of how would it affect you personally as someone who's been in that seat for a while? Um, this is kind of a Darth Vader take, but, uh, <laughs> I don't want the nets. Um, you know, I grew up, I grew up trying to flag down balls my whole life. Uh, yeah. It was like the like part of the excitement of being at the game. Maybe most of it was just you know like kind of like you know playing right field or center field as a kid during games, and then going to the field and feeling like I'm basically in the same position and waiting for a pop fly to myself. Um, with those nets there, it just it's it's a it's a huge block of the view for someone uh, in in the right field seats. It's worse than being right behind the plate. But I also understand the safety implications. I don't want to see a kid get hit in the face by for a sure. foul ball. It's one of those. It's a selfish reason. If I didn't have those seats, I probably wouldn't care as much. But because I'm right there, it definitely, uh, in my opinion, devalues the the seats that we have. Brandon, we know Target Field obviously has more netting than than most of the major league teams. Do you see them making that expansion? I mean, kind of where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think they'll probably get peer pressured into it, but I where I'm coming from and where I agree with Nick is those seats that are kind of turned towards the plate, you know, you're looking at netting from the side and that's where it gets kind of messed up too. Is It's going to be terrible. When you're looking, yeah. When you're looking straight through netting, it's one thing. When you're looking through it sideways, it's a whole other thing. So I don't know. I, I, I agree with the safety, but at the same time too, like there is something to be said about where you sit in rel- relation to, what you can and can't get away from. And I'm not saying you got to put down the phone or pay attention the whole time, but just be aware of all your, your surroundings too. And I think if, if the balls are getting out into where Nick's seats are and they're hitting people at some point, it's, you know, those should be avoidable at, at a certain distance and a certain velocity and a certain arc. And so I think the turns will be pressured into it because other teams will eventually do it and it won't be a bad move. But I'll understand why fans are at least a little upset. I, don't, I won't understand the people that are, you know, super angry and you know, put your phones down. Which, whatever, that's a whole well, I mean, argument. But yeah. yeah, this this year alone, um, on that Astadio catch, uh, I had to basically pull my hands back to not avoid or to avoid, uh, you know, fan interference. Uh, if you remember mm-hmm. that catch, if you re- if you rewatch it, it was me that almost ruined it. But uh, <laughs> that's that, a Bartman. Of, uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, but it, it, it also gives like for me, I, I've been there my whole life. Like I've had I've caught enough foul balls and, and, and missed enough and, and been hit by them. Like it's it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, it, it is part of the game to like know where you are on the field. And when you're when you have seats, it's like courtside seats at a basketball game. 
you can't do the same things that you would do in row 28. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think that's something that people aren't talking about enough. Like if, if, if you're worried about a kid's safety and, and stuff like that, um, obviously like you don't want to be the guy that says like, let's, let's not put the nets up because I don't care about kid safety, but maybe sit higher up with a kid or, or do something yeah, that yeah. keeps the kid out of, uh, you know, being right on the field where those seats are. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of victim blaming, but there is a personal responsibility element of it too. So no yeah, question. About yeah. It. I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely dangerous being down there. there. I'm with you. Um, in the, in the world we live in, I can definitely see the, the, I mean, yesterday there was like a Spider-Man catch into the net. I don't know if you guys saw. Yeah, that. I, yeah, the Mets player. Yeah, yeah, it was it was yeah. it was pretty cool. But uh, at the same time, like it would have been cooler if he went flying six rows into the stands for so, sure. Yeah. Um. Also, last thing on this topic, you were in Japan, right? Where they have like the they have the <laughs> netting, but also what it, what did they call it? I want to call it the Thunderdome, but that's not what it is. It's the it's the Tokyo seating. Dome. Tokyo, but it's the seating area that where there's no netting. In it, the, it's something thunder because yeah. I, I remember they have a roller coaster outside of the stadium yeah. that it's it's weird and it's called Thunder Dolphin. So they have a lot Whatever. of like thunder themed like things there. But yeah, you're basically like if you if you look at the Coliseum in Oakland, it's basically like this giant um you know where the foul ground is. Yeah, it's basically instead of that that green, it's just a bunch of seats. So. Yeah, sorry. Justin Bailey decided to watch this catch. Right, he's looking at Tiny Nick right now. <laughs> La Tortuga. Yeah. So, so is that is that a must for for baseball fans if you can travel and get out to Japan to see this? Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Um, I I feel more dangerous sitting there than I do at my seats. Like, yeah, oh, for sure, for yeah, sure. But I mean, at the same time, yeah, it's, it would be super fun. I would do it. Th- I, I'm not going to look at my phone the whole game. I'm going to be ready to get. Yeah, I'm going to try to catch a ball if I'm. Also, those also seats. most people in your section are pretty engaged. I did not see a lot of people on their phones and stuff, but I couldn't. You know, yeah, yeah, and most people know how to duck and cover in that area. Like yeah. the season ticket holders and stuff. Like, like, like me, I've been hit in the chest. I've been hit before. Like. It could have been way He's worse. A man. It could have been way worse, but at the same time, usually uh, outside of the pain, it's more of the adrenaline. Like, damn, I should have had that. Like, I should have caught that ball. What are you looking? F- moving on to the the upcoming games: Kansas City, who's played them tough; Atlanta, good NL team; yeah, uh, and then obviously four games against Cleveland. What are you looking forward to most in this homestand? And how many games are you gonna be at? Um, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I'm just looking forward to the Twins. Uh, getting this bullpen figured out. Yeah. I think um, my biggest criti- uh, criticism of Rocco is pulling starting pitchers too soon. Um, with Barrios the other day, we were up by seven. I'm, I wasn't completely opposed to pulling him out. I think people are overreacting with that one. But just I want to see pitchers uh, be able to get through the sixth inning. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to see our one, two, three punch, like what it would be in the playoffs, be able to actually get through a game cleanly. Um, I'd also like to see these, like, stretch guys get more innings when uh the game does get out of hand either way otherwise they shouldn't be on the team there's like I, I i'm a big trevor may fan um you know i go back and forth with trevor may on twitter he's a pretty nice guy yeah i was texting my my buddy yesterday and it feels like trevor high has been or trevor may has been in hiding for like the last couple it's weeks true. since I, he I absolutely got shelled yeah brandon what do you first of all what's your reaction kind of the bullpen and then secondly what are you looking forward to in the uh upcoming series or upcoming homestay. Yeah, I mean, it's time to get their house in order. There's no question about it. There's no other reinforcements coming from the outside. And, you know, Cody, Cody Allen's been released. And so it's time to figure out what you got from these kids and also from the veterans and hopefully shake out an effective kind of depth chart where if you don't have to rely on Trevor May, you don't. But if you do, he can, you know, he can deliver. But it's, uh, 
obviously hard to trust him with how the last couple of series have gone. And like you said, he's kind of been persona non grata. And I kind of understand that from his standpoint, he doesn't really want to stand out or rock the boat. He's not pitching all that well, but at the same time too, you really need him to, to step up. So as far as this upcoming series, I mean, you really got to take care of business against Kansas city. And again, against Cleveland, that's always going to be the case with Cleveland. Do you think with that Atlanta, was- they're tough. I mean, they're going to be really tough. Do you think we should at least, uh, you know, sample like a Yankees like bullpen type thing where we we make Rogers the closer and then have Britain or have like Romo be like a Britain type? Or do you think that it's a you stick with the Rocco type thing of doing a matchup based thing instead of having an actual guy that in his head feels like a closer? I think he's going to stick with the matchup based thing because his uses or Taylor Rogers this year has been nothing short of awesome, and he would love for one or two more guys to step up and be able to be used like that just hasn't been the case but i don't think he's going to go traditional roles even if uh gotcha that's what people want i just i just don't see it yeah yeah i gotcha any final thoughts nick uh i just you know i hope the twins uh re-sign rosario going into the next year yeah super rosario yeah that's that's my my biggest thought is uh, i hope we don't go into a a thing of kind of phasing out rosario before the season ends because i think he adds a lot of energy to the team and we need him engaged brandon there's a lot of things that are going to happen between now and Tuesday and a lot of things between Tuesday and Friday. Hopefully Friday, I remember that I have opportunity obligations to the podcast, but no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. People need to come out to target field. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a big homestand because it's not just a bunch of pushovers. And as much as Cleveland is facing some tough teams, they obviously they had a tough series against Houston. There's a chance for the twins to put some space between them and, you know, make people feel a little more comfortable. For Tiny Nick, for Brandon on the phone, Justin the Dirty Wisconsin Man, I'm Tom Schreier. This has been Midwest Swing.